And there we go, everyone. We are back again for another fantastic conversation on Friday Night Counter Attack. This week, I'm going to be talking to you guys all about an investigation as to why players move abroad to these obscure leagues. Is it because they're sick of this European elitism in their career? Are they looking to expand the game in the world, um, in China, in Saudi Arabia, in the USA, in Qatar? In Japan, even, we're going to have a look at all these players that have gone abroad to these obscure countries looking to grow the game. Is it really about the money or is it really about the love of the game? We'll get onto it later on. Um, but first, we are going to be having a few couple of mini games looking forward to it. Um, as you know, it's the summer, it's the off season. We're not really having much plan in terms of talking about transfers because every time you talk about transfers in the summer, they never really pan out. Frankie de Jong, prime example. So I'm joined by Danny, next up coaching. Um, CEO. Danny, it's good to see you again, my friend. How are you feeling and what have you got in store for me today? Because I'm looking forward to what you've got in store for the listeners and for me on this podcast. Always a pleasure, mate. Always like joining uh, Friday Night Counter-Attack for a little podcast. Um, hope everyone is well, whoever's listening. Um, and yeah, make sure you keep listening. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you're putting a five-star rating on any app that you're listening to right now. Just a little plug there. Um, I say a little plug because I am nervous today, Hamza. I am mm. very, very nervous. At the time of recording this is Wednesday, the 7th of June. It is the Europa Conference League final. And my beloved West Ham are in their first major European final in the last sort of 40, 50 years, since the years of Bobby Moore. Um, so we are we are absolutely bricking it over here. We are up against a very strong Fiorentina side, um, but we know we can do the business against them. So if we can pick up a result today, that will make me the happiest hammer of the summer. Um, and we can go into the, the off-season nice and relaxed with a trophy under our belt. Do you have a retro Fiorentina shirt by any chance? I do not know. I was going to, it's a weird one because it was, it was one of those shirts that I was going to pick up ages ago. And, uh, and now obviously I, when you saw him in the competition, I was like, right, okay, I'm just going to hold fire on it for the moment. I think I would, I would be the only West Ham fan with a Fiorentina shirt in my locker if I was the only person to have it. But now if they're our worst enemy at the moment, so I know Amrabat's going to pull off a, a masterclass performance again. Amrabat versus Declan Rice. That's the battle I'm looking for. That will be the battle of the game. That will be the battle of the game. Which centre mid is going to be leaving the club quickest after their team win or lose? That will be the other game. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, it could be his last game for us. It could be David Moyes' last game for us. Um, All I know is that I do not want him going to Arsenal. That is the only thing I do not want. David Moyes? (laughs) David Moyes can go to Arsenal all he wants. I'd love to see David David Moyes at Arsenal. From Arsenal. You do not want to go to that rubbish club, Asna. You do not want to go to Asna. You want to go to Bayern Munich, go and make a legacy over there in the Bundesliga, go and win a, a trophy, go and win the Champions League, go and do what you need to do. You've, your England spot is secured, so you, you don't have to worry about that. Just go and win something. You do not want to go to be going to Arsenal. I mean, you kind of manifested this way before, I think around April or May time when we were doing our Premier League draft of the season as well. You were manifesting the fact that if he was to move abroad, it'd be a lot more beneficial for West Ham fans as opposed to seeing them every week killing it in the Premier League and potentially crying watching him on match of the day so it's, yeah. it's good to see what we've got going on with Declan Rice but um, we, we, we've got to wait and see what we've got because for me I was going to go to watch Sevilla this season as well and I was going to go get a Sevilla kit and then I was like oh no now we're drawn against them in the Europa League and I'm glad I didn't because that would have been a very sad trip to Spain I would have been in pain obviously yeah. leaving the S out of the Spain um, but yeah, I'm glad I didn't do that as well. So no severe kit for me this season. Maybe get a Bayern Leverkusen kit this summer or a Real Madrid shirt. My wife still wants a Real Madrid shirt, so I might get that for her Eid gift, even though this podcast will probably be out 
around Eid time anyway, but it is what it is. I'm looking it forward is. to seeing what we've got. Um, but yeah, we've got a couple of mini games before we get onto our discussion and our topics on players going abroad and uh, exploring the world of football, I should say. Um, what have you got in store for us, Danny? What have we got? We've got so I've got three games that I really want to play with you today. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is putting you on the spot. Okay, um, I've already pre-written my answer to this first game. Um, and second two, um, I'm challenging one, your ball knowledge and two, your your ball opinion and seeing whether or not you agree or disagree with the statement that I'm going to play. So do you want to play the little fun game, um, the ball knowledge game or the ball opinion game? What do you want to go with first? We'll do it in order of what you said. So fun, well, the game, fun first. game first. Yeah. Yeah. So this will be a good opportunity for you as well. Um, just to sort of reminisce on the season that's just gone. So we're going to do a five aside. I know you love a good five-a-side here at Friday Night Counter-Attack. Of your Everyone Premier play League, along at home as well. Of your Premier League flops for 2023. The Ooh. failed wonder kids of 2023. Wonder kids? Or, or anyone. Just anyone. Failed, failed flops of okay. 2023. So do you want me to um, tell you my team first, just to give you some inspiration? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, let's go for it. By the way, what this is very on Friday Night Counter-Attack. We never talk about the negativity on it. So this is going to be a good change. Sometimes you just got to talk about the negativity. Sometimes we've got um, to, in, in a light manner as well, because it's the end of the season, so it's all good. I don't think any of these five players that I mentioned now will be at the club they're currently at, just because of how bad of a season they've got. Maybe one, that might be the goalkeeper, which I'll start with, and that is Melier for Ooh. Leeds. Last season, absolutely on top, on top form. I think I put a, a clipping of me adding him to my ones to watch for this season. This season, could not save a document. Honestly, the amount of shots that were going in, left, right and centre, own goals as well. And obviously at the end of the day, Leeds also being put down to the championship. So Melier, I love that. I love seeing Melier go down to the uh, championship and Leeds United. We all hate Leeds over here. So I'm looking forward to seeing them in the championship next season. <laughs> I'm, I'm shocked. I'm shocked to think that a, a team like, so I've heard like PSG or um, Marseille might be interested in Backup him. Backup goalkeeper. That's all I'm it's, saying. Just Why get rid of Kaylor Navas if you're going to bring in Melier? Makes no sense for PSG. He's no got to be a backup goalkeeper for them, surely. I've uh, gone for a, a 1-2-1 formation. So my defender um, might be a controversial one, considering he might have been... Well, he actually was in the team of the season the year before. Mm. And that is Cucurella for Chelsea. Yes. What a howler of a season he's had. Um, Biggest waste of money in any defence in the season in the Premier League from what I've seen. Awful it makes defender. me question my uh, my ball knowledge because the season before I was like, ah, oh, Chelsea have absolutely got themselves a steal. 50 million for this player. We all said that. We all said that. It's just that change of system. Ben Graham Potter comes in and implements his own system with Cucurella, both former Brighton uh, representatives as well. And then they just both couldn't do it at Chelsea. They couldn't do it at that big level. But that's what happens sometimes, isn't it, Danny? When you've got a player coming in from a foreign country playing at in the Premier League level for one season, remember... Then his value went up, like, I think five times it went up from what they bought him um, from La Liga as well. And then when that happened, it was just like, okay, he's going to be great. You're going to play him left wing back, Chilwell left centre back, or Chilwell left wing back, Cucurella left centre back. And whatever position he was in, it didn't work. And it's just the fact that it wasn't his fitness, it wasn't his mentality, it was just the fact he wasn't good enough for Chelsea last season as well. And Chilwell had that big injury when they were just relying on Cucurella. It didn't happen for them, unfortunately. Um, But Yeah. yeah. So we go straight into the team. Welcome to the uh, the flopper side, Cucurella. Mm. Um, I'll go with uh, one of them two midfielders next. Um, he was dancing at Upton Park the year before. This year, he gave a TikTok saying that he was going to join the team for one season because, you know, they've just been promoted to the Premier League and he wanted to do really well for them. 
Jesse Lingard, you are a fool. You are an absolute captain, leader, fool. legend of flop of the season. That's all I'm saying. Honestly, how can you? The, the, this is this brings us on to the topic later on as well about money. Yeah, mm. he's, he's looked at that 150 grand a week and he's gone, "Oof, thank you very much." That makes up for all the weeks that I was sitting on the bench at United. What made it worse is that interview you did with Diary of a CEO and that Channel 4 documentary going on about... No, I'm not even going to talk about Man United. I'm going to talk about West Ham. West Ham came in for Jesse Lingard and he was like, oh, they didn't want me enough. They didn't care about me enough. Oh, they didn't show as much love as Nottingham Forest. If you're a newly promoted club, you want any good player you want. They're going to show as much love as possible. West Ham United were in the Europa League semi-final last season. And it goes to show, like literally now they're in the conference league. If they were, if they had Jesse Lingard on form, he would have been a really good player at number 10, maybe as a uh, a really good option going forward. But do they miss him? Not really. Does Jesse Lingard miss West Ham? Absolutely. Big flop. But yeah, my captain leader legend. Well now, that was what was said. He wants to come back. He said he's uh, he's interested in a move again. No, go away. Go to move Milwaukee. on. Move on, Lingard. You're going to the championship. You may have to go to Saudi Arabia for all I care about. That's all I'm saying, man. That might be one that we actually do discuss. I've got that down in my uh, my to watch list mm. in terms of uh, going to Saudi Arabia. But look, we've got to continue this, this flop aside. Um, Arta Mello is going to join Jesse Lingard in midfield. I just Probably can't believe he, his, his, his biggest thing was shaking hands with Pep Guardiola on the bench, where he's been all season for Liverpool on the bench. Awful, awful player. And realistically speaking, Liverpool fans hate him probably more than any neutral fan as well because he's his wasted a bench spot throughout the whole season for Liverpool when Juventus probably just did really well to just get rid of him as well. The worst thing is when I watched Barcelona versus Inter Milan back in like 2019, he was in that starting 11 for Barcelona when they went all the way to the semi-final and he was a pretty good player. It just hasn't recovered from literally that injury spell that he had at Juventus and clearly he won't make it at Juventus next season either. But yeah, Arthur Mello, I'm, I'm a big fan of him being in the flop of the season. Well, Juventus have got a lot of flops coming back their way because Weston McKennie nearly made the list. But he's also going back on loan. He was on loan at Leeds, obviously, and now he's going back to um, Juventus. Um, so that's two. And then obviously they've got to deal with the Paul Pogba situation. Mm. Um, so Juventus have got a lot of lot of time on their hands that they need to sort out these problems. And uh, I'll move into my fifth player of, of flop aside. See, I think this player is going to be my captain of, uh, of the flop aside. Okay. And that is uh, the Pigeon uh, himself. He's got more times he's been booked for yellow cards for taking his top off than he has goals. This <laughs> Richarlison. Oh How my can you go from being the star man of a Brazil World Cup team? Uh, you know, scoring all these wonder goals. He, oh, he's back. The boy is back. The pigeon. He's uploaded more TikTok than he's got starting a lineup appearances. That's just a matter of fact. And the I fact think- that Spurs fans got gassed about him as well, I don't get that at all. They're like, oh, yeah, if we sell Harry Kane, we've got Richarlison as a number nine. You've yeah. got no one as a number nine <laughs> if, if Harry Kane leaves. Don't try and rebuild your club if Harry Kane leaves for £100 million. That's yeah. embarrassing for me. Richarlison has been an embarrassment this season. And I was one of those guys who was celebrating when he scored against Liverpool to make it 2-2 in the game or... Yeah, 2-2 in the game or something. I'm just saying, oh, please don't be offside. Not again, not again. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. But being a Spurs man, he he got the case of Spursism, really. So literally, when uh, Jota scored that last-minute goal as well, that celebration, that yellow card he, he got was not worth it at all. So Richarlison, you are a big flop this season. And I don't blame you for having him for your... Um, for your flop of the season captain as well yeah. um, 
For me, though, do I have to then choose five different players like a draft? I mean, you, you can agree, you can choose, you can. I mean, I can't argue against any single one of them. That's the thing. Do you know what I mean? Like they're all pretty bad. Give give some uh, give some honorable mentions then. Give some honorable. Danny honorable. Ward, goalkeeper. Oof. Danny Ward, the reason why Leicester City got relegated. I'm not blaming Brendan Rodgers, FA Cup winner, got them into Europa League, got them close to the Champions League a few times as well. Not replacing Kasper Schmeichel was the biggest reason why Leicester City got relegated. He was a captain, leader and a legend for Leicester City and replacing him with Wales' number one, Danny Ward, who also had a very bad World Cup. I think they replaced him with Wayne Hennessy in the end for that final game because it was so bad. Yeah. It goes to show how bad Danny Ward has been and he got his club relegated. You got Iverson in that last part of the season around March, April time, which wasn't too bad, but it was too little too late for Leicester City. And James Madison couldn't kind of do it for the rest of the season um, for Leicester City. But yeah, Danny Ward, um, I'll go for my alternative team of the season, um, goalkeeper, goalkeeper. In defence, I'm going for the one and only, you know what? I'll go for Davinson Sanchez. I'll go for Davinson Sanchez. Really? Yeah, man. Um, for the price that they paid for him back at back in what 2018 19, 35 million pounds. He's meant to be the man that stepped up. There's no older Wiro anymore. There's no Vertonghen anymore. Last season we saw with Romero kind of stepping up. He did pretty well this season, but he's a walking yellow card as we've seen a lot, and he's just reckless. We saw that at the World Cup as well. Um, but Davinson Sanchez again, a Spurs player who I wanted to see kind of push on and take a bit more ownership this season. It wasn't the case, so I'm not looking forward to having him in my team. Um, we got to look at Chelsea, right? Michaela Madrid. Yeah. I'm going to put Michaela Madrid in there as well. I really liked him at Shot Darden. I'm, I'm going to go on the record and say this because I've said this before on the podcast. I really liked him. Our mutual friend, uh, Mikhail from Georgia, obviously shouts out Mikhail. Now doing wonders at Dinamo Tbilisi at the moment. He recommended Michaela Madrid to have a big season at the beginning of the season. And he was on fire in the Champions League campaign for Shot Darden. Then he moves to Chelsea. Arsenal dodged a bullet, a bullet with that one, I would say. He did really well um, for Shakhtar Donetsk, but he just hasn't worked out well for him going forward for Chelsea. And that money that they spent on him, they could have bought a Rafael Leal. They could have bought a Kovicic Kavaratskelia for that as well. Dare I say, even a Rodrigo from Real Madrid would have been worth that much money as well. Didn't happen for them. And they overspent on someone who I don't think, even if he's going to be there for the whole eight years, will do well. That's just not going to cut it for me. Um, stick with Chelsea again. Uh, Jao Felix I'm definitely going to throw Jao Felix into there as well the weight the biggest waste of a loan spell I've ever seen like Pochettino just doesn't want him apparently which is fair enough I'd rather he just go back to Atletico Madrid and get sold to someone else because there was a time I think it was last season actually when he scored against Man United everyone's like oh free Jao Felix playing an attacking team plays in an attacking team at Chelsea attacking style of play attacking system doesn't do it for him you're seeing Atletico Madrid thrive without him as well um, they replaced it with Memphis Depay in January, if I remember correctly. And they were doing really, I think they finished second or third in La Liga as well. So they've gone to new heights, Atletico in Madrid, I would say, under the last season of Diego Simeone, apparently. Uh, but yeah, uh, that is definitely going to be mine, Jao Felix as well. Another alternative player. Uh, I'm going to have to go for Bootway Course, man. Like, how we. Look within, look within your own club. <laughs> how, I almost say Man United had a bad season. I'm going to say that on the record. We had a bad season. I don't care if we've won a trophy, finished third. We've had a bad season compared to where we are. Because people think you stick with your predictions from August, but you never stick with your predictions from August when you're in May or you're in April. You get to where you get to. It's like that season. I don't know if you remember. 
Um, there was that season where Man City first won the Premier League, the whole Aguero moment. Three or four games before, Man United were winning 4-2 at Old Trafford against Everton with 10 minutes to go. And then we bottle-jobbed it at home and we drew 4-4. Um, Fellaini and Pina, I think, scored and Jelovic scored as well in that game. Uh, so we're going way back when. And we bottled the season then. Everyone was like, oh, yeah, we could have won the game. We could have won the league here or there or here. But if we won that game, we wouldn't have lost the league on goal difference. We would have just won the league. So it goes to show how you kind of have to manage your expectations over the season. But yeah, we wake horse man. I'm definitely throwing him into this. He's played in England before, so no excuse, no excuse there. He did pretty average, I'd say, for Burnley last season when he was in the Premier League. He's definitely not a Vincent Company player from what I've seen of Vincent Company ball um, in the championship as well. I'd really see him getting sold maybe to like, but maybe back to the Netherlands, maybe even to Saudi Arabia, dare I say it as well. But realistically speaking, Wu Weghorst was a bad signing. He was just a placeholder. He was an any if you're playing FIFA pro clubs. That's all I'm saying. He was an any. And he didn't really do much for Manchester United. And I think in a way, he kind of cost us um, in that Europa League game against Sevilla. We were 2-0 up. He should have passed it to Anthony Alanga, who had an open goal at him. He then passes it to Malassia, a left back in a worse position, who then missed a shot. And then all hell broke loose from there as well. So, yeah, Wu Weghorst is my... Oh, for, for the alternative flop of the season, I'm putting Wilkos in there as well. So just to make sure we've got a bit of variety, it's not uh, repeating what you've said, going for something different. But yeah. What a rubbish team. <laughs> just really, really bad. We, we're just not, we're not going to enjoy it. I could throw in Calvin Phillips as well. I'm not even going to lie. I know you want to frame He was on my watch list. He was on my fraud watch. He was on I'm, my fraud watch. I'm looking, at, I'm looking at Calvin Phillips maybe, but I'm just like, yeah, you know what? Throw the Chelsea boys in there as well because the money that he spent on them. Calvin Phillips has got to be in there. But we always say this, and I've said this all the time with you, Danny, when you're looking at Man City players, it's always the second season when they come into their own. So with Grealish, so with Cancelo, Rodri, Mares, when they get used to the pep system, then they're thriving. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, that's mini game number one done. Looking forward to what we've got next. There we go. So, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry for your editing there. It's Okay. Uh, so I've got two games. Um, let's go with a bit more of an open conversation game mm. um, just to be able to discuss a few things. So you've all seen it on YouTube, Agree to Disagree. Um, one of my favourite games. Me and my friends were playing it in the uh, in the pub the other day whilst we were watching uh, the Champions League final. What? <coughs> no, sorry. Um, let me start that again. So you've all seen uh, Agree to Disagree on YouTube, one of our favourite games. Uh, me and my friends were playing it in the pub the other day whilst we were watching the Europa League final. And um, we play that during foot golf as well. So if you're playing with us this summer, if anyone's listening and you're watching our foot golf content, we play Agree to Disagree whilst we're playing um, foot golf as well. So that's another thing that we've got going on. So big fan of the game, big enjoyment of the game. We've got some more content on our foot golf coming out as well. Um, but yeah, looking forward to this one. Let's see what we've got. So I've got five questions here. Okay. Uh, a couple relate to Man United, a couple relate to West Ham, um, and then a few to the Premier League in general. Obviously, the Premier League is finished, um, so we want to make sure we get the relevant content in. Uh, this is very one. weird, me not being the host, me being like a co-host yeah, I'm and a guest. Today. I'm hosting I'm today. You're the guest. I'm, look, I'm looking forward to this. Danny's looking at doing our editing for us, is looking at doing our podcast for us. I should start paying you, I swear. <laughs> so, Hamza. Let's go. Question being, the statement being, Without Sir Alex, Man United would still be the most successful English team in history. Well, agree or disagree? Yeah. Uh, without, without Sir Alex, I have to get my I have to get my grammar right. Grammar right. 
So if we don't have Sir Alex, we are not the most successful English team. No, I you, would... you are. You are. You are. Okay. You so... still are. So you still win all the trophies. You still win all the... Um... No, no chance. No chance. No chance. No, no chance. chance. No chance. Because Sir Alex Ferguson, what a lot of people don't realise as well, is he was a talent ID man back in the day. And a lot of managers back in the day were talent ID men. They wouldn't trust their scouts as much as people trust their data analysis uh, people and their scouts now. So I think Sir Alex Ferguson, not just with his his vision for the club, his expectation for the club, his drive for success. Um, that doesn't happen. We don't succeed and we don't become the most successful club in England without Sir Alex Ferguson um, before he retired in 2013. So yeah, that's what I would say. Do you not think he? you still pick up the same or similar players? Like you don't No, no chance. The class of 92 don't get you through it. And, and No, 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 no. When, when you look at the class of 92, you look at the class of 92 for a reason. Back in 1992, what other amazing youth products were coming through other clubs, Newcastle, Arsenal, um, Chelsea weren't even a thing back then. So Liverpool, West Ham United, for example, as well. West Ham had your, you had your kind of class of 2000, early 2000s yeah. with your Lampards, your Ferdinands, your Joe Coles, your Carricks, your Defoe's. Arsenal kind of had it early 80s. So you had your Ian Wrights, you had your Rockcastles, you had a few players like Winterburn Dixon coming through, Martin Keown, fantastic players. Uh, don't get me wrong. But it didn't happen all the time. You're seeing it now with Manchester United. We've not replicated class of 92 in an abundance. We didn't have six players all at once coming through. So it's been like a Marcus Rashford. Um, it's been like a, a Wes Brown, a Darren Fletcher, a John O'Shea. A lot of these amazing club servants, but none have turned out to be legends or world beaters like David Beckham, Paul Scholes, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, I, I would go with the fact we wouldn't be, we wouldn't be successful, um, as successful without Sir Alex Ferguson. That's interesting. I thought, um, I, so when I'm writing these questions, I was thinking about sort of like coaching as well, because obviously, you know, from myself, a coaching standpoint, mm. the importance of a coach is so, I believe, underrated at the moment. I think... Is someone behind you? Is that your chair moving? That's it looks chair like there's, moving. Okay, I thought there's a shadow in the background. Someone's just lurking like Slender Man in the background. Uh, no, but no, I think I'm sorry. The, the, the importance of coaching is so underrated at the moment. Mm. I think with the CEO and, you know, the the senior management staff of the clubs now being able to just to throw away a coach at any moment and restart thinking that they're the problem. Um, when in fact, if you actually have a good coach and you've seen how Eddie Howe has been working this year um, with Newcastle, you can actually elevate a team so high. So it was really interesting because a lot of people obviously speak about the class of 92. They speak. My about- big one this season is Steve Cooper from Nottingham Forest. When you're Great looking shot. at all the relegation clubs, getting rid of their managers, panicking, trying to replace with an instant fix straight away. Big Sam was seen as a big fix. Didn't really Four happen. games. Four, Four games. Four games, paid quite a lot of money, went back to doing his podcast with William Hill. Didn't really care about it. Jobs are good. And um, when you look at Leicester City, get rid of Brendan Rodgers, who won them the FA Cup. Leicester City, like the, the owner, they need to realise that that was a gem you had there and you didn't back him properly in the transfer market with a goalkeeper. That was the owner's problem. That was the scouts' problem and the data analysis for not replacing Casper Schmeichel properly and expecting a second-choice keeper um, to come in properly as well. Um, but yeah, honestly, managers are the most... Annoyingly, managers are the most replaceable people in football. Who would want to be a football manager in this day and age? But that sweet success of joy, literally, is kind of just worth it at the end of the day. So we're going to have to wait and see what happens with managers going forward because the owners are very trick-happy, unfortunately, at the moment. That's where I'm headed, man. That's where I'm heading. I've I've been doing my vision boards, my manifestation. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a man, one of those managers, man. 
it's going to happen. Legacy. I want uh, my goal in life, and I don't care. Say twenty years down the line, Hamza, when I'm in this position, then this podcast get clips. You know, they always bring up receipts. Yeah, mm. I want to be the manager of West Ham United. I want to be the manager of West Ham United. Give me the position. This is what's going to happen. It's going to be like that Harry Redknapp clip with Frank Lampard. Like, he's going right to the very top. Yeah. Right to the very top. This boy is going right to the very top. I'm Give saying that it managerial position. And then I will, for some reason, be working for Sky Sports News and I'll be interviewing you every week and you'll be like, nah, I'm only, I'm only going to be chatting with Hamza. He's the main journalist right now. He's going to be, he's going to be the one that I'm going to have the exclusive with. So I'm like, yeah, you know what it is. Yeah, that's it. It is what it is. Um, but yeah, that's number one done. What's number two for agree and disagree? This one, this one's an interesting one because you, there are two different ways that you can take it, okay? Mm. If Chelsea were to be relegated this season, mm. they wouldn't bounce back straight away. If they were relegated this season. If they were relegated this season, so the season 22-23, okay. would they be promoted from the championship 23-24? So would they win or get promoted through the championship next season? Yeah, I reckon they would. Honestly, because I I'm thinking think so. I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking the reason why is because the strength and depth that they have already clearly hasn't worked out because they've got all their January signings and have their whole summer to kind of go through. And you wouldn't have, they'd still be used to playing these three games a week, basically. They'd be used to seeing it. If you still had Pochettino as manager as well, they would have to trim so much off their wage bill, but they'd have a good fundamental team, good essentials team there as well. A lot of players and agents would want to jump ship from Chelsea at the time, but I think you still have a lot of fundamentals there that would be like, you know what, we can crack on moving forward. Um, maybe even a playoff position as well, like a lose and they could do it. I think they would have done that. They, they would be too... I don't want to say they're too good to fail, but we've seen it a few times with Newcastle coming back this season afterwards. I personally think Leicester will come back straight up next season because I think they're good enough to do that um, moving forward. But yeah, what about you? You said you disagree, right? I, dis- I disagree. I think they would stay. I think they wouldn't get promoted straight away. Mm. Um, I think a lot of their players would immediately jump ship. I think they would all panic um, to the Rip point... up their contracts. People, yeah, would start questioning their contracts, would start just not turning up to training. I think it would be the worst thing that could ever happen to a top top six club was to be relegated right now. And I think it could happen to anyone. Like we saw with Chelsea this season, even Liverpool finishing eighth. Is that right? Seventh? Uh, no, they finished fifth. No, we, oh, oh, yes, they must have climbed up a little bit. But clubs that are in these positions, if relegation happens, relegation is probably one of the worst things that can ever happen to a, to a football club. Um, if you look at all of their big players, anyone that was been signed over 50 million would go. Um, I don't Raheem even the dream, uh, Sterling. Yeah, Imagine I him signing at the beginning Mount of the season. I think yeah. even some Mountains and, and a lot of players that are homegrown. Um, so, and the, the, everyone says the championship is, is the hardest league to play in. I think it would be, I think they struggled this year against lower league clubs. They struggled against every team they played against. Um, I, I genuinely believe if they if they were to get relegated this season, um, they they would struggle. I think they would be in the playoffs, but then you've got to win the playoffs, which is one of the toughest things to do. It's the, it's the £900 million match. Exactly. <laughs> so that would pay one week's wages. But For Cucurella. Yeah, just pay for Cucurella's house. Literally. But, um, and he'd yeah, be gone. He'd be gone I, by like January. I, well. I don't think they would. I don't think they would bounce back. It'd be interesting though, wouldn't it? Because this is probably the closest we've ever been to a top six team being relegated. Yeah, because mostly you see it like Arsenal at the beginning of the season or you see Liverpool or Man United uh, flopping at the beginning of the season. Now you saw Chelsea 
literally giving Frank Lampard the keys. And it's kind of like you're looking at someone who's never learned how to drive, driving a Formula One car. That's what it was like seeing Frank Lampard as a manager at Chelsea Football Club, the interim manager at Chelsea Football Club. Couldn't really manage the dressing room. I know people thought it was good press for the fans, but it's never good press when you're losing, man. I mean, every little fan uh, fan channel I saw in Chelsea would never really go in on Lampard because he's a legend, but... It was like, it's the opposite from Man United because we were always like, oh, we don't, we love Oli as a player, but as a manager, it's not right for us moving forward. That's why he was good as a temporary manager. But when he gave him the permanent deal, wasn't really there. And that's why Frank Lampard shouldn't really be a Premier League coach for another three, four years, I would say. Go back to maybe the championship, a couple of uh, jobs abroad, get used to your coaching identity moving forward and then come back to the Premier League because you've let a lot of your fans down in terms of um, your Chelsea fans as well. And your, your reputation is really, really bad. No one in the media can save you, Frank Lampard. That's all I'm saying. Uh, moving yeah. forward, but uh, the the next the next question I've got for me resonates really well, and I think you're going to have a different opinion to this. Mm. Um, so at the moment, we've got the West Ham fans out in Fiorentina uh, or in Prague, in Prague against Fiorentina. Um, the Fiorentina fans are claiming that they're the biggest firm in Europe. Yeah. So the, the question for me came up that West Ham Millwall is the biggest rivalry in the UK. Uh, are we talking about rivalry in terms of hatred or rivalry or hatred. biggest rivalry in, in terms, terms of, of in terms of hatred? No, definitely not. Who, who? Your, your top, your top three, your top three. I'm thinking about literally hatred of one another yeah. in terms of passion for the game and in terms of how often you play each other as well. Those right, are so my that's three. The only factor. That's the only factor that I think like, if West Ham Mill actually played each other, I think it would be, it'd be a incredibly violent Yes. <laughs> for, for me, it's Celtic and Rangers first, number one. That is the biggest thing I've, I've seen. And I've been in Glasgow at a time when Rangers have played Celtic. And it's one of those where if you're driving a blue car, you're seen as a Rangers fan. And I'm just kind of there like, I, I was like to my mum, I was like, why are we driving a blue car in Glasgow? She's like, it doesn't matter. We're here for a little, little while. I was like, no, we're getting looked at by Celtic fans wearing their green and their white scarves. We went to Celtic Park as well. We didn't go for the game, but we went like a few hours before. And people were like looking at our blue car, like, what are you doing? I was like, we just came for a picture. We wanted to see the stadium and that was it. We're just there like, nah, you're getting, you're getting tensed up for no reason when you go to watch Celtic versus Rangers in a blue car. Or if you went to Rangers, if you wore, wore like a green hoodie or something, you'd get looked at differently as well. That's the level of hatred I've seen. And I've seen it with my own eyes. Um, in terms of hatred as well, West Ham and Mill definitely top three. I put you number three. Um, I think the one that I could say absolute hatred the most is Manchester United versus Liverpool. The hatred is unreal. It's not so much Manchester City, Man United. It's not so much... Actually, no. Arsenal, Tottenham's a big one, isn't it? But I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. In the UK... West Ham Millwall's definitely up there because I've never seen a police presence like it. When he last played, I think in 2011-12 season in the League Cup, that was unbearable for a lot of police. There was uh, conversation as well that I think at one point in time we were supposed to play each other in the FA Cup. Hmm. Like if we both won our games, it would mean that we met each other in the FA Cup. And apparently West Ham, there was like some dodgy dealing going on that West Ham were told to lose their, their cup game to I think we played a really low league team mm. uh, we were told you need to lose that game otherwise that game can't happen so it's it's all these conspiracies and everything around it it's it's one underrated one is Southampton and Portsmouth that used to be a oh, yeah. very big derby but because it doesn't happen anymore it's one of those where you get hatred because 
it goes into the fact of like economics and politics of are oh, people from Southampton steal jobs from Portsmouth and stuff like that. And you're like, oh, that's a bit wild there. And that's the, that's one of the original factors of the Liverpool and Manchester um, hatred really of the docks. That's the main situation of Manchester United. So when we were in Manchester, you and I, um, for anyone listening as well, you'll probably know this as well, that the docks in Liverpool were originally where a lot of foreign trade would come from um, and they'd actually dock in Liverpool. But instead, they'd actually use a canal to come to Manchester and actually trade with Manchester a lot more. So a lot of people would come to Manchester more because they had better rates and better business opportunities than Liverpool. And that's where Liverpudlians started hating uh, Mancunians because of literally stealing jobs and stealing business as well. And that's why I think, from, from what I've seen per- firsthand, um, it's got to be Celtic Rangers, Liverpool, Man United. Then I'll happily go for West Ham versus Millwall because that that rivalry was tense and you're just like, you don't want to be anywhere near like a five-mile radius of that game and so we'll just stay away from it. Birmingham, Aston Villa is definitely my number four. Though. Birmingham, Aston Villa. I've never been in Birmingham during a game, um, a Birmingham versus Aston Villa game after that one game I went to. Birmingham City fans punching children, women. Aston Villa fans doing the same thing back. Police had no chance and no opportunity and I'm just kind of there like, I cannot forget about this West Midlands RB and Aston Villa like Salim, as you know, he hates Birmingham. And I'm just like, nah, this is like one of the nicest guys I know. And he's like fully goes in on Birmingham City because of the hatred he has towards the fans and stuff. So Salim, if you're listening, just make sure Aston Villa don't get relegated to see Birmingham City um, because I, I, I value your health and your safety. So yeah, just don't go to any of those games. But yeah, Aston Villa is definitely fourth um, against Birmingham City, their rivalry as well. I've got uh, got one more. That, um, what was yours? What was yours? Top three. <laughs> So West Ham Mill for me a top. Mm. Um, I think that's that's Celtic Rangers would I, I think a second. Mm. Um, I don't understand the. I'm wearing blue. You're wearing green. It could be yeah, seen I'm, as something I'm different as well. Green. I don't understand how you can hate playing against them when you play them every other week. Like I think they four times a season. It's it's ridiculous, and I think they're they, a team that need each other. That's the thing. When Rangers were relegated way back when for uh, for those issues with, and when they went into admin administration as well it was just four easy wins for Celtic in the, in the in the league as well so they need that rivalry and that's what some people need they need a rivalry to keep them going throughout the season and and then yeah I, I'm going to put um, Villa Birmingham over Liverpool Man United just simply because I think a lot of Man United fans aren't I, I, I hate saying it but aren't I'm really- not from Manchester yeah, they're not real Man United. Same with Liverpool as well. It's the same with both clubs. It's yeah. just the fact you see that a lot more annoyingly on social media now as opposed to in person. It's just because I know for a fact when I've been in these situations in person, that's what I could relate it to. Like Arsenal Spurs is a big thing online more because I don't live in London anymore. So I kind of really don't see much of it anymore. I went on holiday with Suki and Travis, as you know, to Madrid. And they were like, oh, yeah, Spurs versus West Ham might be a bigger rivalry than Arsenal-Tottenham. And I'm, like, I'm not too it could sure be. about that. It could be. That's what I was sure about. That's the thing. Because I don't see it firsthand, but you would see it firsthand a lot more as well in terms of the rivalry, the hatred for each other's fans more than the actual clubs as well, which is the case um, as well. Um, so yeah, so I think then, then yeah, dead last, Arsenal-Spurs. So mm. And the last one I've got uh, to disagree or agree or agree to disagree is the Premier League would benefit from more televised events such as an all-star weekend. Oh, agree. Absolutely. Uh, I think that should happen at the uh, at the beginning of the season. I think it should be one of those... Th- I, th- this is what I think should happen, truly, is at the beginning of the season, there should be no more transfer deadline days. It should start at like the 1st of September. Get all your 
um, get all your transfers done, get all your dealings done, get your shirt numbers done, then everyone, first week of September, that's when match day one should happen. From that August bit, where you're coming back from preseason, everyone's still a bit sluggish, people aren't sure where they want to go. That's where it should happen. That's where you should have like an all-star weekend, like a, a North versus South game. That's where you should have like a, I, I, they'll never do it like that, but they should do it like a, uh, like a, an English team or a British team versus a foreign team. See what they would be like. In it terms could happen. Of- people, people would say, look, you got, you got to work. You got these woke people that would say it's racist or whatnot. It isn't. Soccer aid is literally world eleven versus England. World eleven. If they um, did something like that on in August, because you get the season going, yeah, a lot more fans would be watching. Imagine seeing a, a team of like. I, I don't know, like Van Dyke at the back, then you've got M- Martinez at the back, then you've got Bruno Fernandes and De Bruyne midfield, Haaland up front. And they're not going hammer and tongs like you sometimes see in the NBA. They're just having fun. They're just balling out. They're showing off their skills, what they can do to get people excited for the for the season. And it also gives a, b- a bit of a feel-good factor as well when you're thinking about it. You're seeing players who you'd only play together on FIFA doing it in real life. And it could easily be a game where you've got rolled in subs. You can have like less contact as well so that it's more lenient refereeing as well that will work wonders for a lot of people and for a lot of teams as well to actually see that to benefit from that as well have like a penalty shootout challenge one day free kick challenge one day crossbar challenge one day then on the second day it could easily just be like a whole north versus west divide type thing as well so like you could introduce the new players from different countries get them used to the environment get them used to the new league as well especially with newly promoted sides as well so it could be an easy draft of like two or three players per club get to go out and play for the team you have like uh old school managers like Arsene Wenger coming in Jose Mourinho or Benitez coming in so Rex Ferguson coming out of retirement for one game to manage that type of thing it would work so so well um for for the Premier League as well and it would grow the game even more as opposed to start beginning of August, end at the end of May, first week of June, longest season ever. Relax it a bit, have a bit of fun. People can show off their skills as well. And I think it would be a lot more enjoyable. And I personally think it'd be a lot more enjoyable than watching some of these soccer aid games that we see all the time as well. And soccer aid is made for charity to benefit from people who are suffering elsewhere in the world. The Premier League could do something like that even more at like five, ten times the scale as well. I definitely think that would be the case as well. I think you run... So I, I agree with your idea. I think I definitely agree with the statement. I think they would benefit from it. And I think the fans would too. Mm. I think you run a seven-a-side tournament where the league designates, let's just say, eight captains, yeah? Or however many captains. And then they get to choose their seven-a-side team to then take to Wembley. And you do four pitches, you know, say so split the pitch in four, you run a seven-a-side tournament on the day, 10, 15-minute matches, whatever it might be. You can televise the matches. You can put it on YouTube, put it on Twitch. We'll do what you need to do. I don't think it would be good at Wembley. I think if you had like a small pitch, like a Bournemouth, or if you had a Luton, for example, as well, mm. it's a small pitch. You have like two halves, two 45-minute two halves. That would work well if you had like two teams playing one 45-minute game, another team playing one 45-minute game, and then you've got rolling teams all the time, plus rolling subs. Because it gets people going as well. And I think it'd be quite fun to see that. Um, that's how I would do it personally. But it's a great idea. You don't idea. want it to be a hassle. That's, I think, what people are saying. Like, even with the NBA, so the, each basketball team plays 82 games. And now they're being asked to go to an all-star weekend and do an extra week. It's like um, uh, Silver, Adam Silver, the, the commissioner of the NBA, mm. has just spoken about releasing a cup system as well. 
So they've just introduced a cup in the NBA, like a separate trophy that teams can win. Yeah. People were asking, well, where are they going to fit in an extra 10 games? <laughs> that means they're playing 92 games across a October to April season. So literally six months, they're playing 90 games. It, 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 it wouldn't make sense. It'd be an issue. It would cause injuries and everything. And But if, if, as long as you make it beneficial for the players, then it's, been, then it's beneficial for the fans. So... Mm. No, absolutely. That's what I, I think would be really good. And if it was to happen as well, it'd be a lot more enjoyable as well. But sometimes like we know players need a rest and sometimes they need to get away from football. Like you've seen the Burnley players come back straight away from their championship um, promotion and they're back in training already. I'm like, why? It's the first, second week of June already, which yeah. is crazy. Um, Barcelona the, in uh, in Japan, aren't they? That Iniesta game. Season in Japan, so... Get it going, I would say, as well. I need to go to... Um, see Barcelona play no buskets anymore just crazy um, but yeah any more of agree or disagree that's all I've got for agree to disagree I think we've done really well with that so we've got obviously the Sir Alex one uh, Chelsea being relegated uh, the biggest derby in the UK and then the uh, the all-star weekend for the Prem so definitely nicely done there and what was your last game that you had for me my last game is an absolute banger okay, okay. so looking forward to this we, we recently in the news we've been discussing you know transfers and we've been discussing finances um so we're going to play a game hamster of higher or lower mm. uh, i have got a list here of um transfers in euros which i've drafted from wikipedia and we're going to test your ball knowledge to see if you know how much these players went for in the transfer market and if you can see whether the next player i mentioned is higher or lower than that okay score um, out of 10 let's say and then I've got a cheap version and I've got an expensive version too yeah. so I've got a bargain version and I've got an absolute splurge version as well my hands are here I'm not googling anything we're all good to go so for the viewers at home this is all in euros and this is all I've got from Wikipedia so if anything is incorrect blame the internet okay yes we're going to start with um, where is your source is it transfermarket.com no it's the... literally Wikipedia it's Wikipedia literally, it's in uh, expensive transfers and Wikipedia came up and it was like, oh, these ones in Euros. So this could include add-ons. This could be without add-ons. Um, but we're just going to give a, a general list of the most expensive players that have gone about town. Um, and we'll start expensive and then we'll go to the bargain bucket at the end. Let's go for it. We're going to start really with the, uh, the main man himself as your starting point. Okay. So Eden Hazard um, obviously went for, according to Wikipedia, 100 million euros um, in that summer. Just been released as well. Any quick thoughts about Hazard? Oh, he's a flop at Real Madrid, wasn't he? Simple as that. I know he got injured, but even when he had his own game time, didn't really build on his amazing Premier League form and he just couldn't cut it at the top level at Real Madrid. So, yeah. Don't, I don't have any sympathy for him because he was an amazing player. And when you look at someone like Eden Hazard, they should have elevated their game further. Instead, he unfortunately gained weight, got loads of injuries, retired from the Belgian national side, got released for, by Real Madrid. He could potentially be going to Saudi Arabia as well. We never know. But in this podcast, when this podcast comes out, we could see a, a few more superstars in Saudi Arabia. Um, we'll get to that later on at the end of the podcast as well. But yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does next at Hazard. I don't think he will come back to the Premier League. Um, but I'd like to see him actually play some good football because when I went to Real Madrid, they made four subs, and not one of the four subs was Eden Hazard. Even with Vinicius Junior suspended for that whole racism issue, he didn't even play. So I'm really, really annoyed that Eden Hazard didn't get to ball out at Real Madrid because I want to see him ball out at the Bernabeu because he was one of the best players in the last 10 years of the Premier League when he was there. And guess what? He couldn't do a thing in La Liga. So yeah, that's me. Quite annoyed at Eden Hazard. But I was quite angry at the time because I'm just kind of there. Like, I want to see him play. 
he didn't play. There was no Remondata for Eden Hazard. Um, but yeah, let's carry on. What have we got? So he's our base point. Okay. Yes. So higher or lower transfer fee, Romelu Lukaku. And that is from uh, Chelsea to Inter Milan. Chelsea? What? No, so, no. Uh, let me get this up. Let me get this He's up. on loan. No, there was a... Tra- hang on, hang on. Let me restart that then. Let me restart. I swear that was the transfer I was looking at. Man United to Inter Milan. There is Inter Milan to Chelsea. Chelsea to Inter Milan on loan. I got it. I got it. I got it. Okay, I got it. Mm. Oh, no. Okay, right. So, so, Hazard is the starting point. Okay? Yes. So 100 million euros. Romelu Lukaku into Milan to Chelsea. Uh, I'm going to go for higher in euros. I'm going to go for higher. Higher in euros. Correct. Yeah. That is one point for you. 115 million euros that transfer was. Yes. Big flop. But again. I do like Romelu Lukaku, but he should be playing um, at Chelsea Football Club next season. Okay. It's not so Saudi Arabia. Higher or lower than 115. Mm. Usman Dembele. Higher. 133 million euros. Yeah. To Barcelona. Higher. I remember that deal and I remember going on about it thinking, oh, it's going to be sick. Hasn't really kicked on annoyingly um, at Barcelona. I'd love to see him play live. He looks a fantastic player to watch, but I'm going to go for higher. I think it's around 133 million euros. Incorrect. Lower. Ooh. How much lower? 105 million euros. Oh, man. I must have been thinking, I must have been thinking about Coutinho then because that happened the same summer, Coutinho and Dembele. Coutinho was a hundred. Uh, Coutinho was one hundred forty-five million euros. That's it. So no, no Coutinho point. went in January. Then Dembele went in the summer. No, nah, okay. Won that one. That's fine. So we're, we're at Usman Dembele, one hundred five million. Yes. Okay. Cristiano Ronaldo from Real Madrid to Juventus. Lower. Correct. One hundred million. One hundred million euros. Again, just another one which, even at his age in 2018, uh, 2018 just 100 million euros for that is is a, is a crazy deal. Um, I mean, he became their all-time, he became one of their all-time, top five, I think, all-time goal scorers in the two or three years he was there as well. One of the highest in Serie A ever um, as well. So he put more of an output out than more people expected when he went to Juventus. So nicely done there, I would say, Cristiano Ronaldo. So two points for you, two points for you. Mm. Um, so 100 million euros is again the baseline yes Antoine Griezmann uh, and that is from Atletico Madrid to Barcelona ooh 2019 I'll go higher I'll go higher and uh, and you would be correct 120 million euros for Antoine Griezmann going to uh, to Barcelona beamed in for that money Laporta was that's all I'm saying beamed in any of that was legitimate no no not really (laughs) Into the uh, Leonardo DiCaprio uh, clip. Any, any, do you think any of this was legal? Absolutely, Absolutely not. <laughs> it's not so three, three points and we've got four left. Okay. Mm. So 120 million is the baseline. Jack Grealish from Aston Villa to Manchester City. This is difficult because there were add-ons if you want a Premier League. There were add-ons. There were add-ons. And it's got a little asterisk next to it saying with add-ons. Yes, there were add-ons and it was £100 million. So I will go for... I'll go for for lower. I'll go for lower. Lower. Anton Griezmann, 120. Mm. Jack Grealish, 117. Mm. That is a correct answer for you. That is four points. Again, just 117 million at the time, it looked outrageous, didn't it? And now you sort of look at it and it's going, well, he's got another Premier League. 
Um, it was two Premier Leagues now, right? Yeah, two Premier League starting position, left wing, FA main Cups. man for Prep Guardiola oh. as well. Potentially a treble, like you said as well. He even forgot which cup he was playing in when he was doing his interview against Man United. You could see him sort of say to himself, "Like, what cup am I playing? What cup have we just won?" Mm. Like, it doesn't even mean anything to him now. It's just another um, game for Jack. Exactly. But this one might be a bit more of an easy one then uh, in terms of up or down. So we'll go from Jack Rillish, 117, uh, and we'll go with Joao Felix, Benfica to Atletico Madrid. Oh, lower. Incorrect. Joao Is that Felix, including add-ons as well? 126 million euros for Joao that, Felix to go to Benfica. Go from, from Benfica to Atletico Madrid. Mm. Ridiculous, isn't it? That, that sort of money. Um, especially since Atletico Madrid, what do they really do with with that Joao Felix player when they signed him um, sort of four years ago from Benfica? He was literally one of the world's next biggest prospects, and and now he's obviously going on loan places. Like, how is a hundred and thirty million pound player going on loan? I I, I mean, Lukaku is another one went on loan. Yeah, all of these Great. players getting bought for silly money. Griezmann, um, they got rid of Barcelona as well. Back to Atletico Madrid. A lot of these big money signers don't work out insane to think about and uh, yeah so we'll go to the last one mm. um, this one's going to be a nice easy one so Juan Felix 126 Neymar from Barcelona to Paris Saint-Germain uh, I'll go higher higher correct 222 million euros is that including That's all the add-ons as well including all the add-ons that is mm. the most expensive signing of all time uh, 198 million pounds for Neymar and it's it, for me. It's sad to see Neymar in his, in his condition at the moment. You know, like when he's on form and when he's balling out, probably one of the most exciting players in world football. And I think Messi coming over and Mbappe being the the highlight of the show now. People seem to forget that Neymar can still do his thing. Um, so I really hope that Neymar. I think he's going to look for a move in the next couple of years um, that will then put him back at the pedestal of being the number one guy. I know Man City were talking about it. I think this summer he'll be looking to get out of there. He's, he's only 31. But still, a move to get out of PSG now, another, let's say, three years, playing as like a second striker attacking midfielder, it could still happen. I reckon he could do it in the Premier League. If he went back to La Liga, if he was to go back to Barcelona, that would be an amazing thing to see as well and actually be the prince to um, to the throne, really, I would say. I think that'd be amazing to see him, Rafinha, Dembele, Lewandowski all ball out at the new camp, at this new renovated new camp as well. And they'd sell a lot more shirts as well. Um, yeah. for Laporta to fund his new stadium development as well but yeah uh, I'd happily like to see Neymar in the Premier League and would happily see him back at Barcelona he so definitely won't go Germany he won't like the weather mm. six points for you nice let's move on to quickly the bargain bucket of these transfers okay. um, we'll start at our baseline um, being Robin van Persie okay coming from Holland over to Arsenal for 2.75 million euros insane Okay, so if you think about that, that's literally a crazy number in terms of what the output of what he produced. Mm. Let's move across then. So higher or lower, Robert Lewandowski moving from Lech Poznan over to Dortmund. Was it a higher fee or a lower fee than 2.75 million? I'll go for lower. Lower. Incorrect. Ooh. Higher. 4 million euros Robert Ooh. Lewandowski cost. Four million. Um, again, Poznan. what a bargain that was. Um, Did you know Lewandowski could have moved to Blackburn Rovers in that January? But because of the, well. yeah, because of that Icelandic volcano that erupted, 
Sam Allardyce never got his Polish star man. And I think, what, six months later, he moves to Borussia Dortmund and the rest is history. But could you imagine Blackburn Rovers on the brink of relegation looking to sign Robert Lewandowski after they let go Roque Santa Cruz to become a bench warm at Manchester City? It's insane, isn't it? Robert Lewandowski could have been in the Premier League. Absolutely yeah, He would have done incredible stuff as well. Mm. Uh, can't even imagine what he sort of thing he would look to do. Okay, so Robert Lewandowski, four million. Vincent Company from Hamburg to Manchester City. Higher or lower than that Robert Lewandowski? Uh, I'll go lower. Incorrect again, Hamza. Six million euros. Six. Oh my goodness me. Six million euros. So two more than Robert Lewandowski. Obviously now has a statue as well. That um, doesn't look anything like him. No, it doesn't look a single thing like him. Mm. Um, but what a signing he would have been at the time. And do you know what I mean? Like You don't always need to be looking for the £100 million players now. Um, you've seen what... Forever. Bobby Never needed to. Never needed to. Mm. So, ridiculous amounts. Ridiculous amounts. Um, company, £6 million. So, zero points so far for you, by the way. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Bargain bucket's not my thing. Engolo Kante from... Is it Cyan or Cyan? Oh, that's, that's lower to Leicester. Leicester. Lower or higher than £6 million? Lower. Lower. Lower, correct. 5.6 million mm. for that sign in there. Again, Premier That's League. That's including win. all the add-ons as well. And there was never an add-on for him to win the Premier League, which made, uh, m- well, it made perfect sense at the time, but it would have been such a sick add-on to have. Oh, imagine. Can if you imagine. Like, imagine. So, 50 million add-on if... Uh, 50 million add-on for Leicester City. Oh, my days. That would have been insane, but they would never have predicted it. Um, that's what it's like the Ballon d'Or clause for Anthony Marshall. Oh, yeah, it's, it's never going to cost 56 million pounds for us because he's never going to win a Ballon d'Or. So... Win-win for us, I would say. Um, just imagine, just imagine. Imagine. Right, three more. Let's rattle these off nice and quick. Mm. So, Ngolo Kante, 5.6 million. Yeah. David Ginola from PSG to Newcastle. Higher or lower than 5.6 million? Oh, this is back in the 90s, so it will be a different economic background. I'll go, for, I'll go for lower. Lower. Correct. Mm. 2.5 million pounds for David Ginola. Yes. It just makes you think about sort of one of the... Wait, are you doing it pounds or euros now? Uh, euros, euros. Euros, okay. 2.5 million euros for Damage mm. uh, at the time. One of the best, like, prolific wingers and attackers in, in the game moving to Newcastle. And just what a signing he would have been as well, so... And for our listeners as well, if you don't know who David Ginola is, it's not just someone who you see on TV. You have to watch him on YouTube as well. And you'll see what a fantastic player he really was um, at, at Newcastle and Tottenham. People. People will know him from FIFA, I believe. Yeah, unfortunately, that's all le- people know about legends now, just from FIFA and Ultimate Team. It's still keeping them relevant, which is great, but if you watch them in real life, they were absolutely fantastic as well. Um, yeah, David Ginla, two point something million. Are we going to go higher or low for the next one? What have we got? This one might be a tricky one for you. It might be testing your ball knowledge. Uh, Edwin van der Sar from Fulham to Man United, mm. higher or lower than 2.5 million. I'm going to go higher. You're incorrect, Hamza. Fulham to Man United, less than 2.4 million euros. Yeah, 2 no. million euros for Edwin van der Sar. 2 million euros for van der Sar. Nah, I need to check this. Edwin van der Sar from Fulham to Man United. Yeah. Nah, this is crazy. If it is, that is absolutely the biggest bargain to Alex Ferguson has ever done. More than Cantona at 1.2 million more than uh, transfer. Let's have a look. See, people will say different amounts, but 
my Wikipedia source. 4.75 million euros. I, I'll show you, I'll show you the uh, I'll show you the website, mate. I'll show you the website I got it from. 4 million euros fee. Transfermarket.com. They said that probably oh yes, in terms of uh thing that might be a lower rate, but the website I've got here, si.com forward slash soccer. Mm. They're telling me two million. They're telling me two million. Two million euros. That might have been the initial fee without any add-ons or, or whatnot. But you just said we're playing with add-ons. No, 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 look, it says here, two million. After four years with Fulham, the six or five goalkeepers signed by Sir Alex Ferguson became one of the United's greatest ever goalkeepers. 2.5 million, no, no, two million euros was the fee at the time. Ooh, okay. Because it had seven million pounds on Sky Sports and on BBC Sport. Yeah, still more. You're ruining my game, Hamza. <laughs> You're ruining the figures. Look, this pr- is just my sources. This is just what they're telling me. Your sources couldn't... couldn't. There's, there's another link here as well. Van der Sar signed for Man United on the 10th of June 2005 for a reported fee of £2 million, mm. although the exact transfer fee was undisclosed. Undisclosed, but it came out at seven million. Ah, oh, this is crazy. This is, this is, this is blasphemy. Look, for a goalkeeper that's going to go on to win however many trophies he won, like... I mean, he was our best keeper since Peter Schmeichel. So a good six years it took for us to replace him. So it really worked well for us, I would say. Having Peter Schmeichel retire and Van der Sar back in 2005, I think, coming into it as well. But yeah. So I'll, we'll, we'll, go, we'll go with it being 2 million. For we'll the, agree to disagree. That's what I'm saying on this for one. The sake, I, I, for the sake I, of the pods. I mean, everyone listening will know that Van der Sar would never cost 2 million euros if it's 7 million pounds. The Manchester United website says something else. People their need to get their sources correct. You know people can edit Wikipedia, right? Yeah, but I've got different websites that say... You've seen those memes of people editing Wikipedia to having like John Stones, like Marcus Rashford being in John Stones' pocket, right? Like that happened on the FA Cup weekend. That happens because it's not a fact. It's actually someone just editing it. Having a Wikipedia plus sources here that tell me two million, so mm. we're gonna go. We're gonna go with that. Okay, that could be money laundering by Man United again. Potentially, you know, Potentially. undisclosed, undisclosed fees, undisclosed. Sorry, it's focused and loved an undisclosed deal. That's all I'm saying. But the last one we'll go with, uh, and this this one, if you get it correct, um, will give you enough. We'll get you ten points. So okay. if you get this one correct, you get ten points. So no pressure. No pressure. Uh, Edwin Van der Sar or Marcelo, who's gone from Fluminense over to Real Madrid 2 million if Marcelo costs less than 2 million euros nah he can't he can't think about it look, look at what they've done with Rodrigo think about what they've done with uh, Endrick think about what they've done with Vinicius they're all expensive compared to 2 million but in comparison to what the economic state of the world is right now are you Jaden Smith this is mad this is mad yeah, can we talk about the political and economic state of the world right now? Jaden Smith, he definitely said that. Um, <laughs> I remember that video. Uh, I'll go higher, just for the sake of variety. I'll go higher. And and your gut is uh, it's got you there. So it actually is quite it is higher. It's eight point seven million. But again, for one of the players that's involved with La Decima and involved with winning multiple La Liga titles, eight million now for a left back. We spoke about um, Cucurella earlier being fifty million. Uh, quid uh, the only real other one that we can think of now is Andy Robertson going for obviously 8 million um, so look, I think a left back needs to be done great signing and obviously now they can't replace him uh, they have to become a vinger there as well so mm. yeah, I can't think of any good bargain left backs when you're thinking about it expensive I, I, expensive yeah. position 
Like Melassi is 12 million, but it's not great at the moment. Evra for 6 million back in 2006. That's a good one, I'd say. From Marseille? No? From Monaco to Man United, around 6 million. Finish was around 8, 9 million, I think, at the time as well. All these um, bargains, that we, that we literally just mentioned two more players that have just gone on to win hundreds of millions of pounds worth of prize money and trophies. Bargain bucket transfers are the way to go in the transfer window. That's all I'm saying. If you've got good scouts, you've got good recruitment, listen to them, you'll be absolutely fine with it. And football managers nowadays should be watching a lot more football than just what's happening in their country or in their league. So you never know. That's why Celtic, um, they do their shopping in like Japan. And that's why West Ham used to do their shopping in the Czech Republic as well. Because you yeah. see a couple of these leagues actually booming right now. More people should be looking at the Swedish league or they should be looking at the Danish league um, for these young Scandinavian players coming through who are built like absolute, absolute units. You've seen Rasmus Hoyland killing it at Atalanta. He could be moving to Manchester United this summer after only being there for six months. Kind of like with Enzo Fernandez, who went to Benfica for six months. Benfica's CEO said, oh, we, we put a £120 million release clause in there because he thought no one was stupid enough to buy him straight away. And then, in came Chelsea, and then in came Chelsea straight away after the World Cup. Uh funny. funny Literally. Bro. Um, but yeah, Ben. That's the end of my, uh, my transfer game. 10 points for you. Well done. Thank you very much. I think the next one when we do one of these is we have to go through, because I've said this time and time and time and time and time again. We have to go through how these Portuguese clubs bring in so many young, talented players through their academy and through their scouting. So we are going to have a look at our, on our next podcast, look at our deep diving into Porto, Benfica, Sporting Lisbon, and I would say Braga as well, in terms of how they bring in through their young players, how they sell them on for tenfold, and how they buy young players from different countries and then develop them and then sell them for tenfold as well. Um, that could be another interesting topic of conversation. Then we could go to Germany, go to France, everywhere. Um, but yeah, just to wrap up the podcast, like I told our listeners at the beginning before we end up uh, finishing the podcast, we do have to talk about Saudi Arabia. And we do have to talk about the fact that they are investing at least two hundred billion pounds of the government's money to fund a new, new regime, basically in football in Saudi Arabia. And you all know me. You all know I'm someone who likes to see football being the world's game. We've seen it before in terms of when I went to into Miami and I watched them play football. The quality of football is around League One quality in MLS, if we're being brutally honest. But it's one of those things that you want to see football develop in different countries. For me, for example, I want to go to another country this summer, maybe at the start of um, the season and see football from a different perspective. Realistically speaking, though, Danny, what, what I'm talking to you about is does the big money moves always work out? We've seen how the Chinese Super League has faltered, especially after COVID-19. You're seeing players like Oscar and um, I think you had Taliska move over there as well. You had a player called Alex Ashera who moved from, I think Shakhtar the next. He couldn't move to Liverpool, being Coutinho's replacement, but then he decided to move to China. You saw Musa Dembele move all the way to China. I'm sounding like Donald Trump now. China. Um, but you know, what I'm, you know what I'm getting at. Basically, is there a good thing in terms of splashing loads of money on um, some of these has-been players, some of these up-and-coming players to develop your league for the sake of trying to benefit your own national team? We've seen it with the USA, where I think it has been a success when we have seen David Beckham move over from Real Madrid to LA Galaxy back in 2007. You're looking at it, what, 14, 15 years later from his move over there? A lot of players followed his trend of moving over to the USA, retiring in style. We saw Gerard move to LA Galaxy. We saw Lampard move to New York. We saw Zlatan over at LA Galaxy and think, you know what? It's a bit boring here. Let me go back to Serie A. What do you kind of think? Do you think there's a bit 
too much of this European elitism in terms of everyone must stay in Europe before they retire. We've seen Iniesta go to Japan as well for a huge sum of money, but because it's the Japanese league, no one really talks about the money there as well. But what's, what's your kind of thoughts on this? It's difficult. I mean, like when the news got announced yesterday that all of these players were going over, it's a shock. Mm. Uh, but then there are two... At the time ways- of speaking, what are the players? Zaha Kante, Benzema has confirmed. a £15 million a year deal. Mm. Um, obviously Benzema has just been announced for um, one of the clubs um, Messi supposedly Ballon d'Or Benzema is in Saudi Arabia that's mad when yeah. you think about it like that the Ballon d'Or winner the current Best holder of the Ballon d'Or winner ever play the game of football potentially potentially yeah. allegedly are in, in our modern era in our in era Saudi Arabian League it's it's so for me it's so outrageous and it's it's so different that people are looking at it the wrong way um, yeah, so we've got uh, Ronaldo, Messi, Zaha, Kante, Benzema, um, all of these players that are going over. Hopefully Harry Maguire. It's, yeah, if Harry Maguire goes, look, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised, to be perfectly honest with you. I would not be surprised if, if that was the case. Um, but yeah, so all of these players going over and making a scene. I think it's a good idea if you really want to just set yourself up for life. Yeah. Football at the end of the day is a job. People think it's not a job. People think it's a hobby. People think it's a lifestyle. Mm. A lot of these players wake up and go to football to pay the bills. And you look at that from, from being within and around the non-league system. If there's a game day that's been cancelled because of snow or because of rain or anything, it damages the club so much. So when you look at a player and go, oh, he's only going because of the money. Yeah, he probably, he probably is. Like there's no second or third thought about it. It's how can I give myself a year to go and get myself? Yeah, 15 million pound a year. I'll go and do that. I'll set my family up for life and then I'll continue on with my career. If you're at the end of your career, yeah, it's a bit of a showcase. I'm surprised that Zlatan didn't go and do a year out in America, a year in China. I know he did his year in America. Mm. He got his extra fame from that. Um, or Zava, watching the, uh, the Ted Lasso series. Um you need to watch it by the way if you haven't have you been watching Ted Lasso I've never seen it oh you need to watch it Ted Lasso is going Ted Lasso is one of the best series within uh, within television right now anyway but if you're a young player that doesn't necessarily need the money you're already on 100 bags a week you're already on 120 bags a week why would you leave your current club to go and play in, in that standard I can see if, if you're desperate for money and, you know, you're 28, 29, looking to get on, you want to just give yourself a nice retirement, go and get the funds, cash out and go forwards. But I heard, I heard thoughts of uh, and, and tweets yesterday of people like, oh, offering Jude Bellingham this sort of money. Like, what, what, what purpose does Jude Bellingham have going to, going to Saudi Arabia? When, when a government is fully back in a league, like they did in China, like they have done in Saudi Arabia now, there's not much really stopping them because they're putting their own kind of private resources into developing their their national team that's how they see it that's why when you see um leagues and like for example cricket the ipl was developed to develop indian cricket players working alongside some of the best players in the world the chinese super league was developed because they wanted to develop some of their their players into a respectable football team and potentially by the year 2050 world cup finalists that was their aim saudi arabia have had one of their best ever world cups by beating Argentina, who were the obviously the obvious winners at the end of it, but they beat them, and that was national worldwide hysteria 
when they have players come into play in the Saudi league, like Ronaldo, like Benzema, potentially Messi, Kante, Zaha's an odd one um, to throw in. I don't he, Zaha wants to leave every summer. I don't, I'm not going to throw Zaha in there. But if we see that happening, how else can people look to kind of develop them their their leagues? You can't really look at it in that kind of way. We've seen players in like Czech Republic move to like Spain and France and England to develop themselves, but the Czech league doesn't get any stronger. You're looking at the Swedish league when you've got Swedish players coming over to these bigger nations like the, the Dutch league or the Spanish league, French league, whatever, and they develop themselves. The Spanish league, the, the Swedish league doesn't get any stronger. No one has that appeal there. So you can only kind of use the appeal of money to kind of bring in like these kind of plays. We saw that attraction with the MLS in terms of you can come over to the USA, have a bit of fun. It's a, it's a kind of laid back experience, but you still need to kind of represent our team. David Veer went over there. I think he won a championship yeah. um, when he went for New York. And that was like a newly formed New York club as well. It wasn't someone like Columbus Crew or it wasn't someone like Chicago Fire. It was a kind of new team coming up. Gonzalo Higuain, I saw last season at Inter Miami and now he's retired. And it's quite mad to think about. That was Gonzalo Higuain, World Cup final 2014. Gonzalo Higuain playing MLS football. And for people who want to go over to these places and fill their pockets, fair enough. But there's a wider aspect in terms of how people want to go. Like, for example, if you're if you're looking up, for example, um, if you're a championship player, let's put it this way. If you're a championship player, let's say you got relegated with Leicester right now you're probably not going to make it into the first team. And you've got an offer from the Swedish league, you got an offer from the Czech Republic league, and you got an offer from the Saudi league. Do you think you're going to go and play for AIK? Or do you think you're going to go play for Slavia Prague? Or would you go and play with Cristiano Ronaldo in his team? Yeah. Potentially starting. That's the way the Saudi Arabian league and the government have kind of marketed it. The MLS league, in my opinion, isn't long enough or big enough. I don't like how they have two different conferences, but I get why they have it. But realistically speaking... They're looking at developing their players to become a lot better. And their team has become a lot better. Uh, round of 16 against the Netherlands in the World Cup. I think they were Gold Cup winners as well. So they've become a lot more impressive with a lot more talented players on display from the USA. And it's worked well for them in the past. I think it can work well with Saudi Arabia going forward. It hasn't really worked so well for China. Um, Japan have always been a solid team. So no, no, no real reason to mention Iniesta there um, as well. But... Yeah, that's kind of how I see it. And I'm looking forward to this summer in terms of if there are going to be more transfers going, if maybe a few free transfers. Jesse Lingard, maybe, if he wants to go over for a payday. That Deli is Ali. at Nottingham Forest. Delhi Ali couldn't do it at Besiktas. Maybe you could do it in Saudi Arabia. You never know. You can enjoy that lifestyle over there as well. That's how I would see it. Um, but any more thoughts on you um, regarding Saudi Arabia? No, I, I really hope that this... There are two ways this can go. It can ruin football or it can make it a better place. Yeah. It yeah. can start to open up the doors to international matches. Um, it can start to, you know, that you've got pre-season. There's another area of the world that you can go and explore. Um, it, football is about community. And I feel like a lot of people are very much enclosed in their own community. I wouldn't mind it if the Premier League did these one-offs where, you know, how the um, the American teams go over to England and play games. Mm. If you went and played uh, West Ham, Arsenal in another country, you know, it changes the playing field in terms of who might have a more of an advantage, even if, and this could be an outrageous one, that each year you play free games, you play each other three times and one match day or, or like you play a couple of teams three times. Instead, you get designated which team you're going to play three times, go and play a game across the world. You know, instead of playing every team twice, you play every team twice and then every uh every four teams out of the league you play three times 
my idea or my retort to that is basically when we have our winter break, when we come back from our winter break, that's when we should have our games away because you see all of the teams kind of go away to Spain, to Dubai, to actually do their training abroad. Why not have a game in the Dubai National Stadium or the Abu Dhabi Stadium in a Premier League fixture as opposed to, oh, you've got to rush back for Saturday. You're playing... You're playing, I was going to say Southampton there, but you're not playing Southampton for a long time, I would say. Everton away, do you know what I mean? You're playing, instead of going to Goodison Park this time around, two rounds of fixtures, right? So everyone misses a home game and everyone misses an away game. So whoever's going to play, let's say, for example, Man United are playing Luton at home. Man United fans aren't going to really miss that, but Luton fans will miss that. So they wouldn't really want that to happen. It has to be kind of more of a way in terms of, they'd rather have their home game, right? They'd rather have Man United come to their... Kenworth Road, I forgot what it's called. Kenworth. Yeah. yeah, Kenworth Road. That's where it's more in terms of, oh, can we fit everyone in? Like, can you all go over? Can you all go over to Dubai play a game there? Can you all go over to, um, let's say Miami for one weekend? And you have a couple of games in Miami. There's like three different stadiums there at the moment. Have a go with it, and you have different games at different times of day. And then you return next week. Um, back to playing in England, but you've had your winter break, you've had your sun and your rest and your recovery, you've had your one Premier League game away, and then you're back to the Premier League um, as it was next week as well. And remember, there's only FA Cup then, there's only League Cup semi-finals after that winter break, so it all kind of works out well. West Ham fans at the moment, West Ham fans at the moment are buzzing because they're in Prague. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, they, like uh, Prague is, is is not a place where you know, every other person is going to want to visit or going to want to go and go there. But because West Ham are playing, there's five, I think there's 20,000 fans out in Prague at the moment. Only obviously 5,000 have got official tickets. Officially. But official tickets, yeah, allegedly. Mm. But, you know, go out, explore the world, go and go and get some time off. If it's a Saturday, you don't necessarily need to take annual leave or a lot of people don't. Um, or if you do, then yeah, maybe you can just book that one off. as cool. You know the date, it's in advance. Uh, maybe the Premier League can help with travel, you know, speak to the airline companies, do some deals with them, get some more travel deals on. And I mean, Fly Emirates sponsor a lot of teams now, Arsenal being a big thing as well. So it could easily happen. It could work really, really well for a lot of teams. And it's, especially if they could go to obscure countries in Europe, like Estonia or Azerbaijan or, yeah, these kind of countries, even Turkey, Greece, that would be really good for their economy as well. And it's not like a fine or anything. It's just like in another stadium. And it's not an international break. It's a Premier League international break. That's what I would say. We work really, really well from that um, as well. Right, everyone. It is now the end of our podcast. I want to thank, uh, thank Danny for, in a way, taking reins over this podcast. It's been, it's been great for you to change the kind of pace that we've had on Friday Night Counter-Attack. Thank you for putting in the time and the effort, Danny. Looking no forward worries. to a couple more of these this summer. And I will see you all soon. Danny, any closing messages from you and yourself? No, just come on West Ham this this clip could either be the best or the worst um, hopefully Declan Rice wins it goes go on score what... prediction end it with a score prediction and this will I've be gone, out in I've a month's time one, anyway I'm so we'll stay consistent to what I've told my friends and family mm. um, I've gone 2-1 West Ham but in extra time um, I, so I'll go maybe even 1-1 or 0-0 in normal time and then I think we bag it late on Jared Bowen winner um, in the last closing minutes if it goes to penalties I will be Quaking in my boots. I need Saeed, I need Saeed Ben Rama to turn up. I've, I've liked watching him this season, so I want him to do one more game against this Fiorentina side. That would be good for me to see. Um, but yeah, by the way, when this comes out, it will be long gone. You could be celebrating for a whole month after this happens as well. 
let's all let's all see what happens with West Ham and Fiorentina. But yeah, everyone, thank you very much for listening. Danny, thank you very much for your time as always. We will see you on the next episode of Friday Night Counter-Attack. Do take care, do follow us, do share this podcast if you've liked it. Take care and goodbye. <laughs>